Well, Jesus doesn't appear to be a civilization builder. I think that we have to understand uh, some of these very kind of strong words that our Lord uses in, uh, in terms of rhetoric, in terms of uh, figure of speech. Christ did in fact come to bring peace, but he came to bring a peace that's the result of truth. And truth can be divisive. Truth can be divisive because if someone adheres to the truth, you're always going to have some people that don't. And so there's going to come division. And so that's why, you know, Jesus is using these hard words. Now, speaking of civilization building, uh, today we celebrate the feast of St. Benedict of Nursia. St. Benedict is the patriarch of Western monasticism, of the Benedictines. And uh, we have to understand the Benedictine uh, monks, in a certain sense, they're really not an order. Okay, They're a very, very ancient form of monastic life. And each uh, monastery, Benedictine monastery, is an independent entity because that's how monasticism worked in the ancient world. It was really only in the, until the Middle Ages that you really had religious orders, per se. You had the mendicant orders. Uh, that was a very new phase in the history of religious life. You had the Dominicans, the Carmelites, the Franciscans, so forth and so on. And then you had a whole other phase, really, of religious orders starting in the 16th century in the Counter-Reformation time period. And then probably in the, in the 1800s as well, you probably had a whole new blast of tons and tons of religious orders that were dedicated to apostolic labors and charitable works and so forth and so on. But the earliest form of religious life were the Benedictines in the West, okay? And there's even earlier precedents uh, in the East. Uh, but the Benedictines were given not to apostolic works. They were given to uh, contemplation and prayer and liturgy, and that was it. That's what they did. They were basically, I mean, we you almost use the word cloistered. Their job was to pray, okay? That's what they did. Um, and, uh, but... So what we see here is Jesus in our gospel, who's really, um, he's, what he's doing is he's saying what really matters is eternity. And this world is, takes second. Uh, it's a secondary thing of importance, of secondary importance. It's something of secondary importance. Uh, what really matters is eternity. And so that's what he's saying. He's saying you need to get your values right. You need to have them properly ordered. So often for the sake of love of parents, um, people do what's wrong. It's true. Okay, for the for the sake of peace in society, we do what's wrong because we don't want to rock the boat. Okay, Jesus is saying, forget about that garbage. You got to get your eyes in eternity and put get your values straight and look for what's true according to God's eternal will and it. Then let the chips fall where they may. If that results in division, so be it. In the long run, it's going to be better. Now, with all that said, it's very interesting, though, that oftentimes, and I can bring you dozens upon dozens of scripture passages to show you this, oftentimes when you do put eternity first and get eternal uh, truths down uh, in, in the right order, and you put first things first in terms of God's eternal will and eternal truth, Actually, the temporal things, the things here and now, are ordered actually quite well. And really, that's the way it really it, it should work. Um, and so, if you put heaven first, you get earth, 
in the bargain. You, you really do oftentimes. Not always, because again, you be, because you're going to have some people who are not putting heaven first, and so then that creates conflict and disorder. But if everybody put heaven first, earth would be a paradise. Okay, We'd be able to order temporal things very, very well. And we see that with the Benedictines. The Benedictines, uh, they put heaven first, and they became a force, really the force of Western civilization from about the year 500 to about the year probably 1400. So that entire time period, which is uh, really in a, in, a, in a tragic way oftentimes referred to as the Dark Ages, it's, it's really not, but in any event, it was the Dark Ages in as much as the Roman civilization had collapsed and you had all these crazy northern German barbarians kind of taking over things and, and there was a a decrease in civilization in a certain sense because there's a decrease of political unity that the Roman Empire had uh, sustained. And so with that kind of a, a fall of civilization and, and culture, uh, you, you had a little bit of a dark ages in a certain sense. But the light in that dark ages were the monasteries and were the Benedictines. And they, and St. Benedict has been named the patron of Europe. Uh, the Benedictines, you know, because they put first things first and they had their eyes on heaven, they ordered uh, earthly affairs in an amazing way. Um, they uh, were responsible really for the agricultural fabric of Europe. They would go in, they would drain swamps, they would fell forests, they would turn it into arable land, and they would farm it. And really all farmland in Europe traces back to the efforts of the Benedictine monks in the Middle Ages. They bred cattle and horses. They brewed beer. Beer was actually very useful uh, at that time because you could always guarantee it being free of diseases. So if you, you know, because alcohol would kill any of the microbes and whatever. So beer was uh, actually something that improved health. It was actually healthy relatively to swamp water or whatever, okay? They raised bees, fruit trees, and vineyards. Uh, they would adapt themselves to the different regions that they were in. So in Sweden, uh, they were really the backbone of the corn trade. In Italy, I guess they had they influenced the introduction of like Parmesan cheese. Okay, in Ireland, salmon fisheries, uh, metallurgy. Um, the Industrial Revolution didn't didn't take place until the 19th century. Nonetheless, there was some industrialization to speak of in the Middle Ages, in the Dark Ages. And it would have been the Benedictines who were behind that. Usually we're talking water mills. So they would use, they would harness the power of water to, to do mills to produce uh, grain, you know, to, to um, mill grain. And uh, they took all of the literature, both in science and medicine, what science there was in the ancient world, the medicine that there was in the ancient world, and uh, the arts and uh, literature, uh, and of course, all the biblical and theological stuff, and they transmitted it through their copying. So that was another thing they did: is they copied. They set up schools wherever they went. So there were various Benedictine monasteries in France that taught medicine. Uh, there was even um, outposts for they were taught painting and engraving. Uh, they were all the manuscript illumination. That's all Benedictine work. Um, and then later on, probably more towards the high Middle Ages, they were teaching uh, Semitic languages like Hebrew and Arabic. And uh, also the Bible. 
without the Benedictines, our knowledge of the Bible would be uh, much, much less than it is because they preserved all the biblical manuscripts. And uh, so what we have here with the Benedictines is this lesson that when you put heaven first, actually your temporal affairs are ordered and, um, and you get both. If you shoot for heaven, you get earth in the bargain oftentimes. Um, uh, but it's, uh, it's a kind of an icing on the cake. You got to shoot for heaven first, even if it makes your earthly affairs and your earthly life not so comfortable. If there's division that comes as a result of that, so be it. Uh, but we, we thank the Lord, though, that whenever you seek the truth and whenever you seek what's from eternity, what is temporal is often uh, comes into, into right order as well. We can see that with, with St. Benedict and the Benedictines.